the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us for tonight's broadcast. Have you ever asked yourself the question, who is Jesus, or what does it mean to be saved? How about questions like, what is eternity? Or is there really a God, and where is he when I'm truly suffering? These are just some of the topics we explore every weeknight at this time. Over the next 30 minutes, you are going to hear a small taste of what Pastor Dudley Rutherford's teaching ministry is all about. This is just an example of what you can experience every weekend when you come to our services at Shepherd Church right here in Los Angeles. We have three locations in Porter Ranch, Woodland Hills, and Agua Dulce. Shepherd is a multiracial, multi-generational church that is built on biblical preaching and dynamic worship. We have ministries for every stage of life you may be going through, children's programs for toddlers to teens, a sports ministry with leagues and programs for kids to adults, and care ministries for those who are going through divorce, grief, or serious illness like cancer. So be sure to bring your friends and family members. You can check out our website, liftupjesus.com, to learn more about who we are as a church, our locations, and service times. Let's join Dudley right now as he begins his message for us tonight. In your notes, I want you to write this down. Everybody say context. The guy that wrote this is a guy named Paul, and he's in a Roman prison. He was in prison. He's now under house arrest, but he's chained to a Roman guard, the guy that wrote this. And he's writing this letter to a group of people, write this down, in a church that's 800 miles away. And one of the reasons that he's writing is because he loves them. And when you love someone, you tell them the truth about life in God. He doesn't know how many more opportunities he's going to have to communicate, so what he tells this church are some very, very important things. Now, knowing that we have much to learn in this short journey called life, Let's look at four things that Paul wrote that were critical for them to remember. Number one, write this down. He says, let nothing divide you. Let nothing divide you. Whether you have four weeks left or four decades left, we must be open to learn whatever lesson God is trying to teach us. And one of the most critical lessons for any church is staying united as Christians and realizing that we are all family here today now it's normal that there will always be things and people and circumstances that will cause or lead us to be divided but we should strive for unity i want you to look at what he writes in chapter 2 verse 1 if you have any encouragement from being united with christ how many of you are united with christ you're one with christ y'all god you are you are saved all right what he says here in verse 1 if, you, if you've ever been encouraged just because you're united with Christ, if you have any comfort from His love, if you've ever been blessed by the love of God, if you have any fellowship with His Spirit, 
If you've got any, if you've got any tenderness in you, if you have any compassion in you, then, verse 2, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in what? Purpose. Now, the early church began under Rome's domination of the world. And so the early church was always under intense, fierce pressure from a pagan society. There was always a variety of social and political conflicts the church was going through. No wonder Paul begins chapter 2 by telling the early church, hey, if you want to make me happy, you need to be united, like-minded, having the same love, same spirit, same purpose. The question is why. Why is unity so important in a church primarily if we as the church can't get along with each other we become a laughingstock to the world that we're trying to reach. You think that our country, if you look at our country, we are socially, economically, morally, racially, and politically how divided we are as a nation. My fear, Paul's fear, and Jesus' fear is that the division that is in the country will somehow creep into the church. We know the Bible says in Revelation 7, verse 9, that when we get to heaven, there's going to be a great multitude from every nation, from every tribe, from every people, and from every language. So the church here on earth, if I take a photograph of the church, it should be a picture for people of what heaven is going to look like. It's one of the reasons why I like this church. Because we are a racially diverse church, we are a generational diverse church, and when someone walks in here and they see all of you, they're getting a little taste of what heaven's going to be like. So just take a quick look on who's sitting on your row, and when you look over and you see that Asian person, and you see that african-american and that latino guy and that that middle eastern person and of course that filipino person and that caucasian sitting there you need to know that that's exactly what heaven's going to be like And why is this so important? Well, here are the words of Jesus. In John 17, Jesus is praying to his Father, to God. And he prays for unity for the church. And he says these words in John 17, verse 23. His prayer, God, may they, he's talking about you, may they be brought to complete unity. Why? To let the world know that you're the one who sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. There is something about our ability to stay united when everyone else is divided that gives credibility and validity that Jesus Christ is real because who else could unite people like you? It must be Jesus Christ. And that's our testimony before the world that is so divided. Number two, write this down. 
he says that you and I should value all people, not just your people. Value all people's lives, not just your life. The Bible says in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others as better than yourself. If you have a Bible, you should circle that, put a star, an asterisk, highlight it. Verse 4 says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, that's kind of normal, but also look to the interests of others. It was Martin Luther King Jr. who said that life's most persistent and urgent question is this question, what are you doing for others? You only have so many days left on this earth. Your days are limited. That's a fact, Jack. (laughs) And you can choose, do you want to spend your remaining days trying to impress people about how great you are, or do you want to spend the rest of your days on this earth leaving a lasting legacy of serving and caring for other people? You see, when you die, people are going to say one or two things at your funeral. At your funeral. Don't think about someone at your funeral. They're either going to say, that guy, that girl was the most selfish, self-centered person I have ever met in my life. Or they're going to say, that guy, that girl spent their entire life on this earth doing nothing but serving people and trying to help those that were less fortunate. This went through my mind this week as I was working on this, anyone who gets to heaven, if you get there, everyone in heaven, no one in heaven ever says, man, I should have spent more time on earth talking about myself. Everyone in heaven is going to get up there and go, oh, 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 I should have spent more time on that earth talking about Jesus and pointing people to Jesus. And you know what went through my little brain? People in hell are going to say the exact same thing. People in hell are going to go, I shouldn't have spent my life on that earth just for myself. They're going to think, I should have spent my life, whatever time I had, I should have spent on that earth talking about Jesus, the only one who can save people from a place like this. I want to show you that verse again. I just want you to leave it on the screen. Philippians 2, 3. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. And 1 Corinthians 10, 24, seek the good of others. Those two verses, the Bible's big book, those two verses, if the whole world just live by those two verses we would heal the racial divide in this country overnight you remember the story of jesus when he washed the disciples feet you remember that story here's what the bible says in john 13 look at these words i gotta get through this quickly the evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Did Jesus know that that was going to happen? Before he washed Judas' feet, did he know? He did. Because verse 3 says that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power 
and that he had come from God and he was getting ready to return to God. And then the Bible says he got up from the mill, he took off his outer clothing, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and after he had poured water into a basin, he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And then there's a little conversation there with Peter, who's also going to deny Jesus that night. Three times he's going to curse that he doesn't even know God before the rooster crows. And after Jesus washes all their feet, here's what the Bible says in verse 14. He says, now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you know what? You guys should wash each other's feet. Verse 15, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And then he says in verse 17, now that you know these things, if you guys will do this, guess what will happen to you guys? You'll be blessed. Can you imagine Jesus getting down on his knees knowing as he's washing Judas's feet that Judas has already, it's already been set in stone, and yet he washes Judas's feet. My question to you is, do you think he washed those feet with a bad attitude? You think he was going, I can't believe I'm washing the feet of the guy that actually betrayed me for 30 pieces of silver. Why, well, I've done nothing but take care of Judas for three years. And now I'm washing his feet. What in the world am I thinking washing a guy's feet like this? And he sold me out for 30 pieces of silver. Couldn't he have got like 100 pieces of silver? I mean, what, what am I, chopped liver? Did Jesus have a bad attitude when he was washing Judas' feet? No, he washed, the, he washed the feet of the person who's going to deny him, Peter, and he washed the feet of a man named Judas who was going to sell him out. And then he stood up and he said, you guys should do what I do, and if you'll do stuff like that, you'll be blessed. What does that have to do with you and I? You mean to tell me I've got to be nice to people who mistreat me? You mean to tell me I should serve people who treat me with prejudice? Not only do you need to be nice to those people, you need to do it with a good attitude. Some of us need an attitude check. (laughs) Which leads me to my third point. Write this down, is be Christ-like. Whatever you do, be Christ-like. Which means to be like Christ. I want you to look at verse 5. This is probably the central verse, text, passage to the whole Bible. One of them, he says in verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of who? Christ Jesus. I want you to turn to whoever you're next to and say, don't give them an attitude, but I want you to say it. I want you to say it to whoever you're sitting next to. Just say your attitude. Your attitude needs to be like Jesus. Go ahead and say that. Go ahead. And then, then say it back to them. Well, your attitude should be like Jesus Christ. (laughs) My first church, uh, I lived in a single-wide trailer. I lived in that trailer for two and a half years. I got out of that church, and I got out of school. I was there for two and a half years preaching. Uh, I moved to California, and I lived in Silmar when I first moved here. I stepped up from that trailer. And so for one year, my wife and I and my daughter rented a room over in Silmar 
And uh, I was moving up the ladder. And uh, I was preaching here, and there was a guy in the church named Chris Langhands. He's still around. You can ask him. This is a true story. He came to me one day out of the blue. I didn't ask. He said, hey, uh, would you be interested in doing uh, what's called an equity share? And to be honest, I, had never, I didn't know what an equity share was. I said, what is that? He goes, well, I'm going to put the money down on a house. You make all the payments. And when we're through, we'll sell it, and we'll split the profits. He was a truck driver. He's not a banker. He's just a truck driver who came up me out of the blue. So I moved out of Silmar, moved into a house here in Porter Ranch. He put, he, put, he put all the money. I didn't put any money down. I made the payments, and we finally sold it, and we split the profits. But I was living in a house. I was moving up the ladder. Now I took those profits. I bought my own house. You know, you go out for the basketball team, and you make, uh, you make the freshman team. Next year, you make the Frost Soft team. Then you make varsity, except you're riding the bench. You don't get to play. <laughs> Your senior year, you're actually starting on varsity. And if you're lucky, you get to be all city or all state. Maybe go even go to the NBA. Amen. And you see, that's what the ladder represents for all of us. We somehow think that the higher up the ladder you go, the more status you've got and the more important you are. Don't we love the story of the guy that was born in, in, in poverty and he becomes a self-made millionaire? Well, who is our example in life as Christians? Our example is Jesus Christ. Jesus, if you look at the ladder, he went from the top to the bottom. He went from omnipotency to obscurity. He went from stardom to slavery. He went from riches to rags. Jesus went from a throne in heaven to a manger in Bethlehem. He went from the highest level to the lowest level. I want you to see that in the Bible. Look at verse 5 again. Your attitude should be the same of what? And then what's the first word of the next verse? Who? Everybody say who. They're going to describe Jesus to you. He was in very nature. He was who? He was God. He was at the top. Jesus was the one with God who spoke and created the heavens and the stars and the moon and the mountains and the earth. God was the one who spoke and created you. He just flung his hand like that and the stars were thrown in place. And the Bible says that Jesus, who was very, he was equal in very nature with God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So verse 7, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in what? In human likeness. And verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, which was the most humiliating way to die. That's what Jesus did. And then verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And gave Jesus the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, that every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. (laughs) 
So all you people trying to get up top of the ladder, you should be like Jesus. Look at verse 3. Go back up. We've already looked at it, but look at it. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in what? What's the word? Before I go down, what's the word? In humility, consider others as better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Look at verse 5. Your attitude should be the same of that of Christ Jesus, who humbled himself and came not to be served, but to serve. And he gave his life so that every single person in here might be saved. Amen? Amen. My last point as we close, write this down. Stop complaining. Instead, you should shine like the stars. I just want to show you quickly verse 14. There it is. Here's another verse you all should circle. I should circle it. It says, do everything without what? Do you know that we are professional complainers I'm going to raise my hand because I'm guilty how many of you are good at complaining you're good at it and Paul writes do everything look at these words do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you will shine like the stars of the universe. And what that means is while everyone else is complaining, if you would decide not to, you would stand out in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. You know who I think of at that moment is I think of Mother Teresa who went to the largest slums in the world in Calcutta, India. Did you know that Mother Teresa wasn't even from India? She was born in Macedonia, which is in Greece. And then she went and she worked in in Ireland. Have you ever been to Ireland? It's like the most beautiful spot in the whole world. And there's hardly anybody living there. She left there because she felt God calling her to go to one of the poorest regions on the face of this earth just to serve the least of these. She's not rich. She doesn't have fame like a Hollywood star. But she shines out because without complaining, she just got in there and started serving people. And followed the call of God upon her life. You and I need to learn how to obey even when it's not convenient. Most of us only obey if it's convenient to us. Very rarely do, do any of us ever do anything God asks us to do. Unless it's convenient. If it's inconvenient to us, we'll say, God, come on, man, choose someone else. I don't, I don't want to do Come on, God, I don't want to. Listen, we must learn how to obey even when it's inconvenient. And all of that is pride. You only got so much time left on this earth. It's limited. Take that window of time. Do 
whatever God asks you to do. Don't do what the preacher asks. Don't do what some other person... Do what God wants you to do. Just say, yes, Lord. We hope the message you just heard tonight from Pastor Dudley has been a blessing to you. Isaiah 55:11 reminds us that the preaching of God's word never returns void. We want you to know we have phone counselors standing by if you are in need of prayer. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. We know the enemy is always at work with his deliberate and calculated attacks against us. So please don't hesitate to call us if you are alone and need to pray with someone right now. Again, our phone number is 888-818-4777. We also want to remind you, The Passion Play is returning to Shepherd Church in April. This live musical production follows the final days of Jesus Christ here on earth and is the perfect event to invite your unsaved friends and loved ones during this Easter season. The Passion Play is only here for a short time, so be sure to order your tickets today. All information on show dates and times can be found on our website, passionplaylive.com. That website again is passionplaylive.com. I'm Kyle Welch, hoping you'll join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.